Hello and welcome to Manifest Simplicity, where we discuss intentional living, minimalism, and searching for meaning in a world obsessed with more. I'm Mick. I'm Craig. And together we run a website called manifestsimplicity.com. We post essays, short thoughts, recommendations, and our rules for living a more meaningful life. What we're looking at on today's episode, Craig. So on today's episode, we're going to be looking at why buying jeans is so hard. Mm. 50,000 birthday cards is too many birthday cards. And what people stash in their secret jeans pocket. The secret jeans pocket. The secret coin pocket. Now, is it called a coin pocket? Because that gives away what people keep in it. Well, I don't keep coins in it. So I don't please don't mug me and go in my secret jean pocket. No one should ever go in anyone else's secret jean pocket. I feel like it's a violation of privacy. It is. That's like where you keep your most intimate secrets. Or what we'll find out people keep in it later. Okay, wonderful. Uh, so we're going to kick off the show the way we always kick off the show, which is with the, the three questions that we like to ask, just to kind of catch up with each other and to kind of gauge where we are and what, we're, what we've been up to. Um, and how and mentally then, unstable we are. And how mentally un- unstable we are. I am much more mentally stable because I've not been on social media this Ah, yes, that's right. You've done dry January, social media dry January. I have. We'll catch up on that in a little bit. But it is my turn to answer these questions. It is. So, Mick, tell me something that made you frustrated, unhappy, displeased this week. Um, well, my um, frustrated, unhappy, displeased this week and my extremely happy this week are both related. Oh, okay. So, uh, okay. So what is also something that made you extremely happy, elated, okay, so, amazing? Um, here in um, wonderful Northwest England, um, it has snowed. Oh, yes, it did. Yes, it did. Yes, so it what did. this meant was that um, driving to work was a little a bit of a more laborious process. Um, the roads were a bit icy and cold. Yeah, a bit slippy. A bit slippy. Um, but I love the snow. I'm a, like, I was born in December, so I'm like a super winter baby. So when people, you know, in, in the summer, people are like, oh, imagine, like, it's so sunny. I can't, I can't even imagine it being rainy right now. I'm like, please let it rain because I love it when it's cold. So because it snowed this week, that has made me extremely happy. However, I also realized that I don't have a like super warm pair of shoes. So I've been wearing my Converse with like thick socks. Um, but what it has meant is that my little toe woes have been... <laughs> toe woes <laughs> My little toe woes have been struggling this week. Um, so I've been a little bit annoyed about my toe health, but I'm very happy about the, the fact that it has snowed. Um, and yeah, well, there, was, there was like minor snowball fights and stuff. Like and that. you know what? You can't even invest in um, any new trainers, any Kawarma trainers, because we're now <laughs> starting Frugal February. Yeah, we are. Okay, Frugal so, February. Yes. So this is the, this is the situation. Um, I did. We'll get, we'll get to all of this um, right at the end of the show. But um, I did um, in January. I was social media dry for the whole of January, which was really helpful when we launched a website and a podcast. <laughs> in, the, in the same month that I was. It really wasn't. It um, really was not. But that's fine. Um, but I'm back on social media now. It was a nice experiment. Um, and how we, early this morning did you get straight? Because we're recording this on the 1st of February. So how quickly were you back on social media? Um, I downloaded it last night and I logged in this morning. Right. Okay, cool. So what time were you up? You were, uh, you were a very early riser. So. Yeah, I was up at, I think I was up at just before 6, at like 5.40 or something. Wow. 
Um, Straight away, boom, locked in. Um, I didn't actually. Oh, okay. I um, made a point of making sure I was out of, like I went and got some food and had a coffee and stuff. And then I was like, right, now I can. Now I can log in. So it wasn't straight away. But like, I'm enjoying being back. I mean, we have got lots of work to do. Yes, lots. Um, There'll be lots of stuff coming. Yes. So the Twitter that you've been handling very, very nicely, which is wonderful. And we're going to be working together on the Instagram. And uh, yeah, so I, I was social media drive for January. And now in February, we are doing what's called frugal February. So we frugal. are trying to um, go throughout February without spending unnecessary money. Um, if you go to manifestsimplicity.com forward slash nothing, you can get the rules for this month's challenge um, that uh, we preempted on last week's podcast. Um, and what it, what it is basically is a, a challenge to prevent ourselves from spending money we don't need to spend, um, which it manifests itself in, the, in the, the guise of no new purchases for 28 days, mm. unless it's like an emergency, in which case you can buy something but you have to contribute to charity at the same time. Exactly. And if anyone listened to last week's Conversations uh, podcast, then you will know that Mick has recorded a little intro for that with outlining the rules. But for anyone that didn't, check out manifestsimplicity.com forward slash nothing. Um, so yes, that's Frugal February. We are, when this releases, we'll be like, what, three days in? Three days in. Three days of no purchases. It's hard because yeah. I, I mean, I recently realized that there were some things that I really wanted, which I obviously texted you about last night. And yeah, I was like, yeah. right, now I've got a month to find these. Yeah, so yeah. I saw it as the challenge. I was like, right, now I've got a month to find these. Uh-huh. Then I can purchase them yeah. and realize if I need them, want them. I've got a month to work this out. Yeah, I think, I think it, it'll, it'll teach us something about the way we spend money, mm. but it'll also teach us about the way we prepare to spend money. Yeah, I could probably do with a pair of warm warm shoes for yeah, the definitely. next few months but because i'm not buying anything this month i will just have to kind of it will give me a month to research give me a month to kind of plan and then maybe if after the end of the month it's still super cold and i'm like mm, okay i'll get some then i will have had a month of planning and research i will be spending money intentionally instead of blasting it away on some yeah because you'll realize that you still need them correct um so maybe we could instigate a longer term rule um, of like waiting a little bit of time before you make a purchase. Well, I, so I have a personal rule, which I'm writing about at the moment, where yeah. I, I, I won't go too much into it, so I don't want to spoil it, but I, I tend to wait. If I realize I want something, I wait two weeks before I either order it or look into wanting it. So if yeah. I still have the one, I'm still in the honeymoon period of wanting the product, Yeah. I will then be like, cool, I'm going to order that. Yeah, yeah. I want that for this reason. It will help me this reason. And this is why I want it. And I need to replace this old one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I will, I will try and only buy things when I need them, but I also will try and wait a little bit of time. I think that's like really healthy thing to be doing because mm. I'm an impulsive purchaser. And I have, I have in the past bought things in order to try and like mediate my unhappiness. Um, but the, the real, the real, joy comes from knowing that you've kind of either waited to purchase the thing or were really intentional about purchasing it. Mm. Um, cool. I need a pair of warm shoes that will like be grippy and good for the, for the coming and long lasting as well. And, and will last yeah. a long time. Um, cool. I've got 30 days now to research or 28 days to research a pair of shoes that will do the job that are of value for money, have some longevity to them. And then, because I'm doing the preemptive thinking and research, I can assign the money 
from next month's budget and say, look, I've assigned £60 or £80 to buy some really good quality shoes, mm -hmm. and then I will kind of be able to plan going forward. Whereas if you make an impulse purchase, you're then already working from a place of a deficit. Yeah, 100%. So I, I think it's a good, it's a good practice to do. So if you are looking at doing that challenge, massive shout out to anyone who has... Um, there's loads of people already that yes. like at work have been like, oh my God, I'm doing that with you. Oh my God. I mean, Jenna surprisingly was like, yeah, I'm going to do that with you. And I was like, mm, are you sure? And she was like, yeah, I'm down yeah. for this. And I was like, all right, okay. Okay, wicked. Yeah. Um, I've and had then we're going to hold each other accountable. Correct. So. I'm, I, my accountability partner is uh, Faith's little sister, Megan. Oh, um, nice. She has, for the first time, um, started earning enough money that she's like, just like, ooh. I've got spare money. I'm going to spend it on stuff. Yeah, we've uh, all been there. Uh, so she was like, oh, I need to stop buying things. And I was like, well, funny you should say that because coming up this month, <laughs> we've, we've got a challenge that will, that will help you with that. Um, so Megan and I will be keeping in touch pretty closely to um, keep accountable on the challenge. Um, and if you are doing the challenge, please do get us on Instagram or Twitter or email us um, and let us know how you're getting on. And if you... Like I said in the intro to last week's episode, if you do want to one of us to keep up with you, we will email you and check in how you do it and check in on how you do it. Um, so I think that was going to be who my shout out was for as well, was for everyone who has said they're going to do Frugal February. Yeah. Now's the time. Now's the time. Let's. Um, this is your shout out. Yeah, this is it. This is my shout out from the three questions. Um, who would you like to give a shout out to? Everyone who has said they're interested in Frugal February. Everyone who's going to give it a go. And um, also Dave Nolan, because he gave me a cream egg the other day. Oh, Davey. Yeah. This is your second. No, wait. Second mention. Second mention. First yeah. shout out. We should, are we going to have a league table? Uh, I think Anton's already the one winning. So yeah, he's, a, he's a good lad. And he's just been mentioned again. So that's it. Yeah. Can we do an episode we don't mention Anton? Yeah. Once sure. we've had him on and interviewed him about the essay that we've written together, can we then just not talk to we'll not just get rid of him? About him? Yeah. We'll just get rid of him we'll, out of our life. We'll, we'll downsize Anton. I don't think that's possible. Well, definitely yeah. don't think yeah. that's possible. Because he is Hench. Beefcake. Um, okay, so, news. Hit me oh, with some, some good news. Hit me with some news, Craig. So, I found this one. Now, I apologise to anyone listening because I couldn't look too much into it. Um, I, I was scrolling through Reddit, as I do, and on the good news subreddit popped up a piece of information where a US, World War II US veteran received 50,000 cards to celebrate his 96th birthday. Um, and I thought, oh, wow, I'm really interested in knowing why this guy got 50,000 cards to celebrate his birthday. And unfortunately, the, the website it's hosted on, it wasn't available in my region. What? So, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't look too much into <clears throat> it. Um, I tried. Um, I've tracked it down for you. Aye! Daughter's Plea draws 50,000 birthday cards for US veteran. Uh, when Sue Morse requested on Facebook that her friends send her father well wishes for his December 30th birthday, she expected maybe 160 cards. <laughs> That's so specific. 160? <laughs> That's so specific. Why? Why, Sue? Why? I'm expecting mm, 160. At 96, World War II veteran and Purple Heart Medal recipient, Dwayne Sherman has survived most of his friends. Wow. Oh, that's crazy, isn't it? That's mad. Like, and he's 96. 96. Man, that's, well. that's a proper, proper innings, that is. Uh, as of January 9th, Sherman received more than 50,000 letters to his home in Fullerton, California, the Orange County Register reported Friday. Birthday cards, notes thanking Sherman for his service have come from all 50 US states and 10 different countries. Wow. <laughs> that is insane. If we'd have known about it, we could have sent him one. 
Uh, his wife uh, died in 2011. Oh. Um, she said she, his daughter said she wanted her dad to feel special on his birthday. Now that's really nice. That's lovely. I um, like good news. Notes from elementary school students, prison inmates. Uh, the uh, the secretary of the navy sent one, and so did the Pittsburgh Steelers NFL wow, team. Wow, nice. That's insane. So that is that's a nice heartwarming one. I that's really, a good one. I really like it because I mean. At 96, he's probably feeling a little bit lonely. It's coming yeah. up to his birthday and his daughter's done that and like, so many people responded. Let's hope, he, um, let's hope he's knocking about for a few more years. Um, I want to see him hit I want to see him I hit see 100. Hit. I want to see him. I was just going to say, yeah, let's, let's, let's um, hope he hits 100. What a good guy. And what a good daughter for like yeah. seeing, seeing a need. Um, and well done to the 50,000 people who sent cards. Um, that is the exact type of good news that we like to hear about here. Um, so, let me hit you with mine. This is a little more local, a little more closer to home. Um, so, UK trains will run on hydrogen power within three years and produce zero emissions. Ooh. Is that all UK trains? All no, I, no I, I don't think so. Um, but there will be... Um, Hydrogen-fueled trains will soon be running on UK railways. So, there's a... Train that's being developed right now, which is codenamed Breeze. Nice. See what they've done there. I do like that. Will it'll basically convert existing trains, which are already running on UK tracks, um, and it will. They could be in um, service by as early as 2022, and they admit only water and zero harmful emissions. Ooh, that's pretty sick, right? I mean, that is cool. Because I imagine that. I mean, we both drive to work quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, the motorway is an absolute nightmare, and in the co- in the colder weather, you can actually see the kind of soot and weirdness landing on your windscreen as you're driving down the motorway. Well, it's funny on my drive over to yours today. I was on my back window. I kept getting all these little spots. Yeah, and I was like, "What the hell are all of these?" And I kept uh, like. Uh, screen washing them off and then i'd look again a minute or two later and they were all back again i was yeah. like where are these coming from yeah just because the i think because there's a little more salt in the air maybe from the um from the snow we've had um but you, you can see the like dirt on the motorway and when you drive your car on the motorway mm. all the time like the sides get all oh yeah covered in horrible black dust yeah um so any anything that the uk can be doing to mediate the problem of pollution in our transport system I am 100% behind. So let's have some trains that shoot water out. Yeah. Maybe they shoot, shoot out at high speed and you can have a water fight with a train. I d- don't think you're going to win. No. No. I'd like to see that, though. We can, we can make that. and Make a note. Water fight with a train. Yeah, water write, fight with a write train. Write that down. Okay. Wonderful. Let's get into this week's essay. Um, you were excited for this one. Very, very excited because I read a book by a man called Barry Schwartz. Barry Schwartz. Barry Schwartz. 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 And he uh, basically is a American economist and um, deep thinker. Um, and he has looked at why um, why choosing why choosing things choosing. Is choosing why choosing is such a tough task for us in today's day and age um and basically these are just some notes on um the book and also on a really really detailed ted talk that he gave um he kind of he, i think they allotted him like 15 minutes and he had a 45 minute talk to give wow. so he like literally rushes on. <laughs> he literally doesn't breathe throughout the whole ted talk which is amazing um, but basically, his his theory is based on 
a few like inherent beliefs. So he posits that if we are interested in maximizing the welfare of our citizens, the way to do that is to maximize individual freedom. So firstly, freedom is good. That's exactly what we want. It's essential for life. Secondly, freedom means we can decide things for ourselves. So we can decide what will maximize our own personal welfare. So the common understanding is the way to maximize freedom is to maximize choice. More choice equals more freedom. More freedom equals more welfare. That's how. That's what he's basically saying. All right. Okay. Um, so what that what he then threw against that was that with the growth of potential choices, TVs, phones, internet providers, books, schools, our culture has come under backlash of people asking for less, and that's exactly why we're doing what we're doing. Yes, exactly. Because we recognize that kind of the culture of more is is unhealthy. And also um, getting worse. I mean, I, I think there is such a thing as um, too much choice. 100%. Too much choice. Because you, you can go, right, okay, so let's use the TV as the prime example. You can go, right, cool, I, I, I want or I need a new TV. Yeah. What do you get? What style do you get? What brand do you get? Why do you get that brand? Where yeah. do you buy it from? Mm -hmm. So not only, right, so you've invested in... In, in your thoughts of buying a new TV, but there are also the shop you get it from, the price point you're willing to pay, yeah. the brand you're looking to get, the features you're included. So there's four choices all through just buying a TV. Where am I going to put it in my house? How five am I, choices. How am I going to pay for it? Six choices. Have I got to insure it? Seven choices. All of that stuff all factors in. So what, what he's saying is that because of that, there's like this underculture, which I imagine we would be labeled as part of, mm. that's kind of backlashing against that need for more. Um, with people saying things like, I just want a phone that makes calls and has an alarm, or I just want a phone that makes calls. My mum says this to me on a regular basis. Mm. I don't need all this newfangled rubbish. I just want a phone that makes calls. Perfect. Get one. They are, they do exist. I want, when it comes to TV, I want less channels because it's easier to, def to find something to watch. You know, when you've got, you're just like scrolling through and there's 500 channels and you're like, none of these are good. Mm -hmm. If you only had five choices, it would make your decision much easier. I think that's why people tend to go for things like Netflix now, because they literally are just loading Netflix up. They go, cool, uh, I will watch this today. Cool, right, no, I don't want to watch that now. I'm going to watch this. And yeah. it's just there for them. There is no channel. The TV isn't telling them what they must watch. Mm. They are choosing what they want to I think, watch. I think it's almost the other way around, actually. I think oh, that okay. I think that I get this choice paralysis when I open my Netflix. Um, I'll open it up and go, oh, my God, there's so much stuff here. I don't actually know, like I just wanted to, I wanted to be pacified. Mm. I don't want to make a choice right now. Yeah. I want something on so that I can kind of wind down a little or enjoy eating my cereal on my sofa, which is quite this morning. <laughs> um, but if you're, if you're then bombarded with thousands of choices of what to watch, it does make the process of actually choosing something much more difficult. Um, so I think that's maybe the way I've trained myself to use Netflix. So like this right, morning okay. I just put, it's always sunny in Philadelphia on, and I just put that on in the background. I was playing with the dog. I made some coffee. I had a breakfast. Yeah. Um, like, and I just, it was on in the background mm -hmm. because I've seen it that many times. It's fine. I do the same with the Office US. I just yeah. put it on in the background mm -hmm. and I can zone in and out. Okay. I, I purposefully choose what I watch on Netflix. I don't just, oh, well, that looks okay. Boom. Yeah, I think, I think partly also it's, it's whether you're going to intentionally consume the thing that you're about to watch. What you're talking, oh, okay. what you're talking about is background noise. Mm -hmm. That's like I just need, I just want something on so it doesn't feel like I'm alone in my house talking to my dog. <laughs> I get that quite a lot. Like my my method of choice is the podcast. So I'll put on a Joe Rogan or a 
Um, Freakonomics is a really good one I'm listening to at the moment. Um, lots of cool podcasts that I literally will just put on how stuff works as well. It's great. Um, you put stuff on and while you're making your dinner or, I don't know, getting ready for the day or whatever, you just had something going on. Mike, Mike, might take some of it in, might not. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's, in, it's on in the background. But I think if you're if you're thinking about intentionally sitting down to watch something, the decisions then start to pile up because you're like, what time do I have? Do I want to watch something scary? Do I want to use my brain? Do I want to just veg out? It's a, it's a. It, I think Netflix is great, and I use it all the time. Um, but it does cause a sort of weird choice paralysis. Mm -hmm. um, so what what um, Barry Schwartz is saying basically is that. It breaks down to a few, uh, it manifests itself in a few different ways. So what he's talking about first is uh, burden of responsibility. So he says this, imagine this, you go into the GP, um, that's the general practitioner for all you like non-familiar people, um, and you tell them how you feel. Mark, and after a bit of probing, the doctor works out what is wrong. And instead of saying, this is what we need to do, says option A has these benefits and risks. Option B has these benefits and risks. What do you want to do? How does that make sense? Surely the doctor knows more, has more experience, and is ultimately better positioned to make a judgment call on the best course of action. This is an example of shifting the burden and of responsibility for decision-making for, for, from someone with the answers to someone hunting for the answers. That doesn't make sense. The next one, endless detractors. The endless choices we experience on a daily basis today were not available to our parents or to our parents' parents. No longer do we inherit our identity from our elders. Way back, if you were born the son of a butcher, you would follow in your father's footsteps, help with the family business, and work your way into a position where you could take over when the time comes. Nowadays, with the ease of access to technology and edu education and travel, we can wake up each and every day and decide to be someone completely different. So with the growing availability of technology, we can now be connected to our work on a truly full-time basis. We have to make decisions again and again and again about whether we should be working right now or am I technically off? So have you ever been tempted to answer work emails on the weekend? Yeah, me too. But even if you answer the question of should I be working right now with a no, it still detracts from the right here, right now of life and changes your experience for the work. Consuming questions take over your life, meaning you spend all of your time thinking about the bigger questions instead of actually living. So what he's saying is that basically this, this, this weird choice paradox causes four things um, to happen to us. And I made some more notes on them. Let me just track it down. I really like the, the idea of, uh, or the, the, the mention of answering it with a no, it still detracts from the right here, right now, because you're then your mind has drifted towards work. So you're never truly off. Yeah, uh, which I actually quite like. Uh, I like the idea and the discussion around it because there have been multiple times on my days off where I've I've thought about something for work or I've had a text from someone at work and I'm like, oh yeah, I wonder what you know how busy it is today. And I'm like, oh wait, okay, what? what Why do I care? I'm, yeah, not, I'm, I'm not in today. Why do I care about how busy it is? Yeah, I mean, I should be able to walk out the doors at the end of the day and completely switch off. And that's not always something that I think people people do. And mm. I don't think it's healthy, um, especially when you look at it. If you're doing something you enjoy, then 
you don't think of it as work, you think of it as something you enjoy. Yeah. And like I enjoy recording this podcast. Although it is work we're doing, I actually enjoy doing it. So yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. think about it. And it doesn't feel like we're at a job right now. Yeah, I don't dread it. I don't like, like oh I've got to go and do that today. I can't be bothered. Like yeah. I'm just like, no, I really want to go and do that. Yeah. Whereas work, I don't and it was the same in previous jobs, the same in current job. I just I get up and sometimes I'm like, okay, cool, I've got to go to work. Yeah. And it's not something although I like my job, I don't I don't get enjoyment all the time from it. Right, yeah. So it's about yeah, it's about deciding whether you should be working right now. And and what what Barry Schwartz is saying is that even if you have to decide whether you should be working right now, you've already wasted some time you could have spent doing something else. Yeah. Have you got um, those extra notes? You yeah, so what he's saying is that basically all this choice has four negative effects on people. The first one is paralysis. And this one we've actually spoken about um, in previous episodes where you're like, I've got so many options, I actually don't want to choose. Um, so he talks about it like this. He says, there's this conundrum of the girl who has too many clothes. Um, so she has hundreds of items of clothing, never throws anything out, but continues to buy new things too. When faced with the daily what to wear today question, she is stuck sat on her bed, staring into her wardrobe, hoping for inspiration and ideas and well-fitting stylish garments to just appear. In the end, she picks something she knows fits well and looks good. Why not just skip the bit where you sit and stare and just get straight to the part where you put on your favorite clothes and start your day? Even if we manage to overcome the paralysis and actually make a choice, we are less satisfied with the outcome of that choice than we would be if we had fewer options to choose from. True. So I am a massive um, advocate of a very, very simple wardrobe. Mm -hmm. I own one pair of jeans and one backup pair of jeans, which are over there. Ah. I own five black t-shirts of varying design and fit. I have two that are exactly the same, um, which are my favorite ones. I have five pairs of black and white shoes. I have one black coat. I have a oh yeah, all your shoes are black and white. I've never noticed that before. <laughs> yeah. Everything I own is like very, very simple and serves a very specific purpose. And I don't have that thing where I get up in the morning and go, oh, what, what am I going to wear today? Yeah. Because I just, I don't have a choice. I have the things I own. The interesting observation that people have made is that people in um, really successful like CEO positions all have this same mindset. You think about Mark Zuckerberg wears the same thing every day. Mm -hmm. Say what you will about his politics and the way his company works. But that's a separate podcast. Correct. Yeah. He dresses the same absolutely every day because it removes the necessity for his brain to have to make that decision in the morning. And think about how much time you, you would save over the course of the year if you didn't spend that 10 minutes every morning deciding what to wear. Yeah. So it's a it's a one that I've been a massive. That's something I did recently, actually. I slimmed down my wardrobe and I generally wear in this weather, especially, I've got three woolly shirts. I tend to just grab one of those. Yep. I put my work T-shirt on or just a general black or white T-shirt. And then I've got, like, two pairs of jeans. Yep. Three, no, three pairs of jeans and, like, a nice pair of chill pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but for going out and not around the house. And yep. it's either one of those. I grab one of them. I put it on. Yeah. I'm good. And I think, you, I think there's a, um, a – there is times where you need to own other things. Like, I have a suit. Mm. which is in case I get, uh, for, the, for the times when I get invited to a wedding or I have to go to 
I don't know, a theatre event or something. I need to own something for that event yeah, because yeah, it yeah. does happen probably four or five times a year. You don't want to go out just... and impulse buy a suit just for one event Correct. and never wear it. I mean, there are ways to do it. You could hire one. You can get one from a charity shop. There's ways to make that happen. Mm -hmm. But I go to enough events where owning a suit makes sense. Um, the second thing he says is about opportunity cost. Now, this is something I didn't completely understand until I read this book. Okay. Um, but this is how it plays out. So when there are lots of alternatives to consider, it is easy to imagine the attractive features of alternatives that you reject, making you less satisfied with the alternative that you did choose. So he used the analogy of a salad dressing. So with lots of salad dressings to choose from, if you buy one that doesn't quite taste like you imagined, it's extremely easy to imagine a situation where you made a different choice that would have been better. So this imagined alternative induces regret. The regret subtracts from the satisfaction you get out of the decision you made, and ev even if it was a good decision. So the more options they are, there are, the easier it is to regret anything at all that is disappointing about the option you choose. So whenever you choose one thing, you are also not choosing other things. So those other things may have a lot of attractive features, but once we've made a choice, we're always aware of what we're missing out on, making what we did choose less attractive. So this is, the, like, this is like FOMO, but in real life. Right, yeah. It's like, oh, I've made choice A. Uh, but what um, what I, if I'd have done choice B? Yeah, and, what, and I liked it, but what if B, C, and D were all better? If you just had choice A and, or choice B, you're, you've made a decision and it's much less... Um, much re much less regret involved because you know you didn't have that many options anyway. Yeah. Um, so slim down your options to make things simpler. Correct. Exactly. And less regret. And I think with that regret comes um, like self blame mm. for that for that stress for, for making the wrong choice. Um, so this is the next bit he talks about. So if you only have one option for, to choose from and it doesn't live up to your expectations, we ask ourselves why? Like who's to blame for this not living up to my expectations? The answer is simple. The world is to blame for only giving me one option and for that option not being good enough. That's all right. You can blame the world for things. That's fine. Say you have 100 options and you choose one that doesn't live up to your expectations. We ask ourselves the same question. Why? Who is to blame? And it's the same situation, but with more choices, we blame ourselves for making the wrong choice. Um, so with all those options, it should have been easy for you to pick the right one, but you failed. So this failure and self-blame is probably pretty high up the list of things that cause things like depression and anxiety and and like even people to take their own lives because you're you're always you're always um blaming yourself for making a wrong choice when in fact you're not to blame because you consistently hear the words i should have or oh, i should have done this or yeah. i should have done that or i should have picked this or i should have gone down that path or yeah yeah i should have applied for that job or i should have applied for that experience like yeah. but why why should you have yeah. I, th I think you should ask yourself why should you have like what would you have gotten from that yeah and sometimes it talk it links back to seizing the opportunity when it's in front of you i think you should not take every opportunity but certainly the ones that you're interested in and it's funny actually i was listening to the the ground up show episode matt diabella released on wednesday just got yeah. And he had the gentleman on it that does the Mickey Mouse voice. Oh, yeah. I listened uh, to that one. It was good. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, scary, obviously, listening to Mickey Mouse in your ears <laughs> at parts of the podcast. But he talks a lot about seizing the opportunity and the way he became Mickey Mouse, his voice, in 2009. Like, 
he got an email from a friend that said, hey, do you want to be Mickey Mouse's next voice? And he thought all his friends were pranking him, joking him. And he was like, well, if they're not, I'll just, I'll seize this opportunity. Yeah. And he did it, got the job, was hella nervous, got the job, and he's been doing it for the last eight and a half, nine years. And yeah. it's just like... Yeah, but, it, I th- but I think if they'd, if they'd given him thousands of options of characters to play, mm. and 99 of them... I still think he'd have picked Mickey. But say, say he chose one, and it didn't turn out all right, if they, if it was, do you want to do Mickey? And he said yes, and it went badly. He can be like, oh well, it just wasn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. If they, if they said, do you want to be Mickey, Pluto, Donald, Daffy, Bugs Bunny, Michael Jordan, all these other people? <laughs> do you want to be Michael Jordan? <laughs> do you want to be all these other people? Uh, yeah, I'll pick uh, Mickey Mouse. Then if it doesn't work, he blames himself. Yeah, of course he does. Because, because he, he because, could have been any of those others. Correct. So I think I think you're definitely right about seizing opportunities when they arise. But it's also about Assessing whether you are actually to blame for the failure or whether the situation literally just was not on the cards for you. Um, something that uh, I, I don't think I have a massive amount of experience in because, I mean, I've, I've made a lot of bad decisions in my life, but I have to, you, you have to move on from your failures, understanding that you did the very best you could in that situation. If you're the entire time thinking, oh, I could have done this and I could have done that and I could have done this, then you're... Wasted. You're, it's wasted time and thought on things that have yeah, been and gone. You're already, you're, you're blaming yourselves for, for things that, you, that weren't your fault. Um, and I think that's a massive issue. So it's, it's interesting that it, that it can come down to um, how many choices you had in the first place, whether you're happy with the choice you make, good or bad, or you're dissatisfied with the choice you make, good or bad. Um, so the last one he says is that um, it can also lead to what he calls escalation of expectations. So this is where we get to jeans. Um, so he says, imagine if you're trying on jeans with all of the options available, our expectations about how good a pair of jeans should fit goes up. We have no expectations when they come in one flavor. But if they come in 200 flavors, then one of them should be technically perfect. Mm. We compare what we get with what we expect, and what we get is most often disappointed compared to what we expected, meaning more choice often equals disappointment. So adding options to people's lives can't help but increase expectation about how good those options will be. This produces less satisfaction with the results, even when they're good results. We never get pleasantly surprised anymore because perfection is the base level of expectation. So the best you can hope for is that the outcome lives up to that expectation. If you're expecting perfect and you and you you inevitably are not going to get it, you're always disappointed. If you're expecting good and you get perfect, great, you're pleasantly surprised. I think that the same can be said for going and watching a film. Like if you hear a review off a friend and they're like, oh my God, it's the best film I've ever seen. Yeah, you have God, to go I and see that. it. It's brilliant. And you go and watch it and it's not that perfect. You're expecting perfection and it's not, it's just good. Yeah. Not that you hate the film, but it's not what you expect. But I think even if it, but even though it's good, even though it's really good, but because someone has told you it's going to be perfect, you expect perfection. You're you're disappointed even when it's a really good film. Well, I think the same can be said. Like so, I went uh, recently watched Bumblebee, and someone was like, "Go in with zero expectation." I was like, "All right, okay, cool." Knowing what the other Transformer films were like, I was like, "All right, okay." Just, mm-hmm. But I actually left the cinema. Thoroughly fulfilled that that film was brilliant. Like yeah, I yeah, thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it. I thought the soundtrack was great. The film was good. The story was good. 
the acting was good. I just, I really enjoyed the film and I had a nice time because my expectations were low. Yeah. I was told by someone to go in who thought it was okay to not go in and expect too much and I didn't. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah. then, but then if you're not expecting too much and you get a great film, you're like, wow, that was incredible. I wasn't yeah. expecting a lot and, it, and I got a lot. Whereas if you went in expecting it to be Shawshank Redemption and it yeah. wasn't, you're disappointed. Yeah. Um, so I think if someone had told me Bumblebee was uh, the best film. The greatest film of all time, you'd have been like, uh, no, it wasn't. Yeah. It was really good, but it wasn't as good as you, you're making it out to be. Yeah. And the people who are doing the making it out to be are everyone else. Mm. I think this is what, one of the things I definitely learned from social media dry January is that the images that people are putting online are of their perfect life, mm-hmm. of their, their, their like curated self. And when you then see them in real life and they're not lifting 500 kilograms yeah. and they're, or they're having an off day. They've done that once and then that yeah. one picture was posted. Correct. Up or that, there's, there's a guy I follow who's um, like a really talented skateboarder. And then imagine seeing him in real life and he doesn't land a trick first time. And you're like, oh, well, on your, on your Instagram, you land absolutely everything all yeah. the time. Um, so it's and then uh, you sort of lose the respect factor for correct yeah because what I'm expecting is the, the, the image that you've put out which is of absolute perfection um, and you are never ever going to get it I think we have to be very realistic about what we expect in order to mediate the kind of disappointment that comes with it you have to live in the real world and not this fantasy social media world where yeah. everything is perfect and everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. Um, everything the... is cool when you are part of a team. Though. Correct, and we're part of a team. That's Spud. Boom. No. Um, the, other, the other occasion where this pops up is where I heard... Um, a, I can't remember which comedian it was, but they were talking maybe on a, in an interview... Um, it might have been Jerry Seinfeld, maybe. Okay. Um, and someone, intru- someone, someone finished their set and their job then was inter- to introduce him onto the stage for the audience. And he said, um, uh, coming up next, the funniest man alive, Jerry Seinfeld. And he said, um, oh, it yeah, definitely was. It was uh, him talking with Ricky Gervais and Chris Rock. Okay. And he said... Um, as soon as the guy introducing him said, the funniest man alive, everyone sat back, crossed their arms and said, oh, is he? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Because what you're expecting then is the funniest, is the man. funniest man alive. Jerry, Fein- Jerry Seinfeld's very, very funny. He is. But y- is you- he the funniest man alive, though? Oh, I don't know. I think it depends on your taste. Yeah, but I think also, like, if the, if the, com- if the, the guy who was introducing him who was saying, really talented... Um, really excited to have this guy with us tonight. Everybody, put your hands together. Jerry Seinfeld. They, he's not put any expectations out there. And then the only place Jerry Seinfeld can put himself on their expectation chart is above what they're where expecting. They, yeah, where they are. If, if the guy comes out and says he is literally the funniest man alive and he has a great set, but it's not the funniest thing alive, everyone goes disappointed. Yeah, and they'll all be like, oh, well, that guy at the beginning was funny, but Jerry Seinfeld could have been better. <laughs> yeah, because they said that, he, and apparently he came off stage and he said, don't ever do that to me again. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Um, so I think what we get out of this, this, entire, um, this entire thing is that reducing the amount of choices we have to make every day is one of the ways that we can kind of force ourselves into a, into a situation where we're more likely to be happy with the choices we do make. Um, and Barry Schwartz finishes this whole, this whole segment by saying, Therefore, the secret to happiness is low expectations, high standards, 
but low expectation. Yes. So I, I've struggled with that for a little bit, but I think what he means is obviously we, we don't want to expect rubbish. We don't want to expect crap from our, from our friends or say we were working on this, we're working on this project collaboratively. Yeah. I expect you to do some, to put something forward. Yeah. I don't expect perfection from you because then I will just be disappointed because you're not going to be able to achieve it. And likewise, the same, the other way yeah, around. Yeah. I have high standards though. I expect you to like put in some work and to be passionate about it. And for us to have a conversation, if you're struggling with something, like I have high standards, but I'm not expecting complete perfection. Yeah. Because it's just, it's it's just realistic com- to have high standards, but not expect perfection. Yes, completely, completely. Um, so th- I think that is the, that's the kind of the model is that, Yes, you want great things to happen and you want, obviously you want to exceed expectations. You want to be doing really, really well. But if you expect perfection, all you'll have is, all you'll get is disappointment. If you have high standards, but you expect very little, when you get something and it's all a high standard, you're like, great, I've got the thing I wanted. Mm. I wasn't expecting too much. I got more than I was expecting. Um, and that's something we don't really get anymore. We don't get pleasantly surprised. Anymore. No. I don't, I you, you're because of the way people are portraying themselves and and culture as a wider entity is portraying itself everything is perfect all the time and therefore when you like it's like the the travel brochure analogy they're not going to show you the beach on an average day no because you'll be <laughs> like oh cool a beach what they will show you is the beach on the most beautiful day of the year nicely photoshopped and edited together with a lovely 1.5 child family on it um, so that you're expecting perfection but that actually just creates disappointment I think celebrities fall into that trap as well Man, like, oh bro that I is mean, crazy some of, them, some of them are really good at, at, at not overdoing those expectations like I think Dwayne Johnson's one of them oh I love that guy uh, yeah the guy's incredible but I, I think he him and Kevin Hart are just people at the end of the day they mm. are just people yeah and I don't think that I think The Rock shares his habits and his expectations, but he also is realistic with them. He's not like, I'm the perfection. You should follow me and do everything I do. He yeah. goes, this is what I do. You should all try and do the same if you want, but you don't yeah. have to. I think there's an argument for, um, and I wrote an essay about it, which we'll, we can stick up on the website at some point, which is called Strikes, which is about the fact that people only ever post the, them getting strikes on social media. You don't post the gutter balls and the bits where you slip over and throw yeah. it backwards. You don't post that social stuff on social media because it doesn't serve. No one's interested it, in it. No, well, the thing is, people are. Mm. People are interested in the fact that you're not completely perfect because it creates human connection. But if you, if you only ever put the times you get a strike on Instagram, then people will think that that's your normal. Mm. And then when, you, that when suddenly you're like, oh, I'm, I'm not doing so great, they're like, oh, that's weird. Whereas if you can kind of put that out and say, look, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this or the podcast is going to be late because we've not done it because we've not had time. Craig's girlfriend's ill. My girlfriend's gone traveling. We've been do- like, if you can be more, more human about it long term and from the start. Open and honest. Correct. Exactly. Um, it makes that conversation a little more, um, a little more, yeah, like personal because mm. it's not, you're not portraying all just your strikes. Yes, you've got some strikes. Some things are going great. Um, but there's an argument for also also letting people know that you are a human. Yeah. Um, because it's not, it's not 
even possible for it to be perfect all the time. Correct. Wonderful. Um, if you want to read the um, complete essay of um, my write-up of Barry Schwartz's The Paradox of Choice, um, then head to the website. You can either go to manifestsimplicity.com forward slash choosing or manifest, manifestsimplicity.com forward slash paradox. Um, both of which are kind of one of the uh, paradox one is the longer one and choosing is the short snippet that will kind of lay out the uh, theory in a little simpler way. Um, yes, both of those are available now for you to have a read of. Shall we get to our Ask Reddit? I do. Yes, I do think we should. You want to go uh, first or I second? like this section. So um, my one was a good one. It was, what do you want to see in your lifetime? And uh, some of the answers I picked out were quite, one of them was quite funny. And some of them I was like, yeah, I'd like to see that. So one of them was confirmation of extraterrestrial life. It yes. doesn't even have to be intelligent life, just a just, simple just some, bacteria. Just something whatever. that lives somewhere else. Yeah, like not on Earth. And we can be like, whoa, yeah. what are you? Uh, I'm uh, worried about that kind of thing now. Because of films. Well, yes, but also like, I, I, it's, almost, it's almost imperceivable that we're the only thing living. Um, but... Uh, I think as humans and knowing humans as well, it, it does scare me a little as to what we do with it if we found it. We would it. just go and kill it. Like, look at the film Alien. They were like, whoa, these things are murderous beasts. Let's see what we can do with that. <laughs> let's no, no. Let's use it. No, no let's just leave it in don't space. Don't do that yet. Let it, let Put it, it in the space bin. Let it rock. It there. Let it rock on Mars. You don't need to be anywhere near it. Funny, because the, net, the other one was humans on Mars. Oh, that would be kind of sick. Now, is Mar Mars is like relatively close atmospheric-wise to Earth. Is that why we're, is that why we're thinking about it? I think it's just going? not got the, the grass or the earthy element to it. The, the... Oh, is it like lower levels of... Is there oxygen? I don't think there is. I don't think there is, no. No, so we'd have to work out. Can you do that for me now? Just work out how we're going to live there? Nope. <laughs> Yes, um, one of my... What's that Matt Damon film? Uh, the Martian. I love oh, that film. Oh, my God. We're about to science the shit out of this. <laughs> Fuck you, Mars. <laughs> yeah, I love that film. Where he... My favourite bit is where he's trying to get water to grow his potatoes. Yes. And he accidentally does the calculations wrong and uh, like blows himself up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, huh, so... That went badly. Now I have to eat potatoes <laughs> and ketchup this many times a day. Yeah, it was so sick. And he's like, I've rationed myself down to... I've run out... Well, actually, the saddest part of that entire film is where he says he's run out, out of ketchup. ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could, I could probably deal with being on my own. I could deal with that quite yeah. easily. I could deal with eating simple food every day. That's fine. But if I ran out of ketchup... Those me. potatoes, those Martian potatoes are not going to taste so good. <laughs> nah, bro. Uh, the other one actually was I thought was quite good in development developmental was every major country gets off using fossil fuel. Oh, I like that one. We need trains that run on hydrogen, hydrogen, and just put output water and have water fights with passersby. Yeah, you can super soak some people on the way past. That's what you want. I would like that. I would quite like every country to get off fossil fuels. However, it's such a lucrative business. Yeah. <laughs> like, so many companies would go out of business. The, the economy, economy would crash, but the world would be a better place. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's an argument for both being good. Um, but uh, it would mean a major shift in how like, world economies work. Power. Correct. And, and yeah, in power. Um, 
because the wind, wind and the sea are kind of free and you can't really own them, sure. um, but you can own oil because it's on your land. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a, if you're, if you've got any info about a sustainable energy or a sustainable fuel, um, news story, something super good, then please hit us up. Hello at manifestsimplicity.com and let us know. I am on, um, bulb energy. You know what that is? Oh yes, we use bulb. Oh, do you? Yeah. You should have referred me. I could have got some money. I didn't know you were looking. Oh yeah. When I moved, I, I was on... British gas before. Oh, oh, boo! That's boo. no, no, no. I'm sure they're wonderful. If, um, yeah. Too many choices. Yeah, I had too many choices, so I picked the one that was the easiest and the most sustainable. Um, eighty-five percent recycled, or eighty? Uh, uh, not yeah. entirely sure. Eighty-five percent recycled, I think, and um, or renewable, and fifteen percent recycled, or the other way. Around. I think it. Yeah, I think it's the other way. 100% renewable electricity. Sick. Independent generators, uh, the best kind of energy. Correct. 100% uh, of bulbs' electricity is renewable and 10% of your gas is too. Oh, sick. Every year, the average bulb member saves 1.3 tonnes of CO2 from entering the atmosphere. That's the same as six planting 655 trees. Oh, wait! So each customer plants 60, 655 trees? Basically, yeah. By wow. Doing, doing what okay, doing. so if you're looking for an energy provider, I'm sure there are other ones available, and this is not a sponsored sponsored podcast. <laughs> but if you're looking for an energy provider, hit us up on email, and we can give you fifty quid. So apparently, renewable electricity, British gas, who you were originally with, are below fifty percent. Okay. Bulb are one hundred percent. Yes. But which other ones are on one hundred percent? Just give them a shout. Uh, out. Ecotricity, uh, Good Energy, Green Star, Solarplicity, So. So, uh, Outfox, The Market, Pure Planet, Tonic, Octopus, The Cooperative, <laughs> Green Energy, and Eye Supply. The Co-op? Yeah. I like the Coop. The Coop Coop. Luca calls it the Coop because on their bags. Oh, it, it says, says Coop. It says Coop. <laughs> it does. Nice. Um, wonderful. What would you like to see in your lifetime? I don't know. I thought about this. I would... I would quite like to see... Just competence between every major country and and a settlement between every major country where yeah. everyone's just like, you know what? Let's just be friends and work together. And let's, <laughs> let's let me not screw you over and you don't screw me over. Yeah. Let's just... World Alliance, this is a thing. Um, so are you talking about world peace or are you talking about a new not world order? Not necessarily. You're never going to get... I don't have world peace. World and, peace is... I don't think it's obtainable. I'd love to see it, but I don't think it's obtainable. Because I, people are greedy in the end. Exactly. The end the and they, uh, we, we're in this culture, this mindset of, oh, well, jealousy. Well, he's doing better than me or she's doing better than me. I've got yeah. to be better than them or mm -hmm. I want that, I want this. I think if every major country or like the president, the prime minister, queen, king, whatever, just all came together and were like, let's do this. A little bit like you, the UN. Yeah. Where everyone comes together and they're like, this is an alliance. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's work together on mm. this. We've had this discovery. What have you guys got? Let's collab and and help our countries get better. Sorry, like a like a world, um, a world joy and happiness mixtape. Yes, fronted by. But I mean, realistic. Again, back to expectations. Realistic. Yeah. It's not going to be hundred percent perfect. <clears throat> yeah. But it could at least be better than it is right now. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's a good one. Um, what, you... what about you? Um, what I would like to see in my lifetime, I'd like to see both my boys 
grow up and become astronaut. Astronaut, yeah. I'd like to see them both on Mars. Sick. That would be crazy. Um, in my lifetime, I would. I always my my like end game goal at one point was to. Um, this just shows you how competitive and crazy I was growing <laughs> up. Um, at one point, I wanted to be able to say that I was the best in the world at something. Oh, okay. Um, but I think I, I have kind of let that one go because I realise I'm I'm pretty good at, at being me. I'm become the best in the world at being you. I'm the best in the world at being Mick Warwick. So there we go. Um, I don't need to be a famous distance runner or a famous musician or anything like that. Too many choices. Just stick it. Just stick to what you got, mate, and make the best of it. And exactly. That's it. Um, perfect. I like your question. Yeah, so because we were talking about buying jeans, I thought I would find a related Ask Reddit question. So the question is, what do you put in that tiny... I'm putting my finger in the you pocket You are putting right your now. finger in the pocket. What do you put in that tiny little pocket on your jeans? I keep my stim pins in it. My okay. little stim ejector tools. Yeah. Never know when you're going to need one of them. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, Multi-use. Yeah, you've got to like clean some dirt out of your shoes with them bad boys. Get mm. some stones out of them shoes. Fluff out your dock. Change your SIM card, poke open a little reset button on a device you have with you. Yeah, I had to use. I actually had to use one on my boiler when I moved in because it had gone south. There you go. There we go. You'd come north. That had gone south. Uh, I'd actually moved south as well, actually. From yes, okay, yeah. That um, someone said that they keep a twenty-pound note in there, an emergency one. Okay, you have to remember to not wash that though. No, not anymore. Made of plastic. Oh. Wait, no, the UK one's still not. What? You can wash money. I know you can, but not the, the £20 note's not changed yet. You can still wash money. All right, I just thought it came broken. No. Broken money. No, no, no. Because the five and the ten have changed. Yeah, but that, that which is great, although is it, because I made out of plastic, um, the, you can, yeah, you can wash old money in your, in your jeans. All right, fair enough. Um, and the, one, of the, one of the funnier responses to this was, what do you keep in that tiny pocket in your jeans? Someone just put, anything, I want to get washed. Because you know you're not going to remember to take that shit out. It's true. <laughs> Absolutely no chance. I think our washing machine is full of zippers. Yeah, mine's got like plectrums in it. And yeah, um, yeah like I know quite keys. a few people that keep, like musicians as well, that would just keep a plectrum in there for in case. Yeah, I, yeah, I have one. Like, where's, and just in case someone goes, oh, there's a guitar over here that needs playing. Um, yeah, I'll... <laughs> Trusty plectrum. There we go. Um, I used to keep a USB in there a long time ago. All right. With a load of like music projects on it and stuff. Good but idea. now I have taken to keeping my minimalist wallet in that pocket. Oh. It fits absolutely perfectly. It, is there? That, it's, it's a bank card, my work ID, and uh, my driving license, and my AA card, I think. And that is it. You can fit all of that in that tiny pocket. Yeah, boy. All right. All right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a stab yourself in the hip kind of problem, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, so if you sit in the wrong way, you're getting juked. Stabbed. Juk, juk. You're getting juked in your own hip, fam. <laughs> Who stabbed you, sir? How did you get stabbed? Uh, stabbed myself. Stabbed myself in the hip with my own credit card. There you go. There you go. Right. Anything else to add? Oh, did we talk about... We did. Did we talk about Frugal February already? Well, at the very beginning. At the very beginning. Almost one hour ago. Okay, so... What, it, this is coming out on the 
2nd, 3rd, 4th of February. Four. So you are four days into Frugal Feb when this comes out, people. Four days of no new purchases. Zero. Zero new purchases. So if you are doing the challenge, let me just give you some encouragement. You're doing really, really well. Amazingly well. Assuming you've not bought anything. As soon as, assuming you've not made any new purchases and you've also not bought any fast food. Now that is where I'm going to struggle. And you're going to struggle there as well, Mr. Woods. Yes, I will. Because we all know we all like a little coffee and a cookie on our lunch break. I've not been doing that for the last week now just in preparation for this oh my god i've been doing the exact same thing educating yeah i've been like i've been like okay so i'm gonna have to get into a habit of not buying things for the whole month i'm just gonna start now Mm. that is a practice that not everyone takes on you know when people are like i'm gonna diet in june and you're like what (laughs) (laughs) why not why not just start right now and be a one day ahead um that's, an, that's probably a, a topic. Yeah, I've just been buying like a little milk carton and taking it with me and then I take it home at the end of the day. So yes. I've got milk at home and at work. What you should do is learn to drink black coffee because you don't need to get milk. I, t- I do sometimes drink a black coffee, but not half as much as I should do. I love them. I so, know you do. You, you've had one during just this had podcast. One. I've had three today already. Wow. I have been up since... Half 20 half. to 6. 20 to 6, yeah. Um, so we're thinking about some other challenges that we might um, put forward for do, the rest we, of 2019. We want to do one for every month. Though. We want to do one every month. Um, I think it's it's kind of inspired by your um, obsession with good habits and with kind of those habits then, although they're small, affecting the rest of your life in a mm. big way. So it's something that I really want to try and like power through in 2019. Social media dry January, frugal February. And then, what other ideas have we been throwing around? What ones did you say you were thinking about doing? March Madness, you said. Yeah, March Madness would be getting up before 6 o'clock every day for the whole month. I'm going to struggle with that. I think 7 o'clock is reasonable for me. No, 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 bro. 7 o'clock. No, because that's how early you should be waking up anyway. What what the the point of it is... I don't always get up at 7 o'clock, though. I sometimes get up, go to the toilet, get back in bed, and I'm in bed till like 8, half 8. Yeah, but that's the point. I want to get up at 7. What you should do is get up before 6, and then you've got 2 hours until you would have normally got out of bed yeah. where you can be super productive you yeah. can work out you can write something you can cook your meals for the day i'm gonna struggle with that yeah i think you're gonna struggle i don't know if we'll i don't know if we'll do that one in march i've it, it says tbc on the website so we've not uh, we've not okay. completely committed not committed that's a good idea though the other one i thought about doing was maybe like a um 30 minute meditation a day that's a good one. Which is a good one. I mean, we did that challenge with work, and I actually really enjoyed that one. Yeah, so maybe we could get... I was speaking to George Altham. Shout out, George. Big George. Big George, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're finally on Apple Podcasts, George. Yeah, so you can stop hounding us about it. Um, and sassing the hell out of us. Yeah, he, I was talking to him about meditation, and also to JC as well at work. Oh, yeah, he loves, he loves he, a bit of meditation. Yeah, he's really, really good. He's really into, into it. Um, and I was thinking about maybe yeah, doing that for a month. That could be an interesting one. Uh, the other March one meditation. March meditation. There we, we go. go. Been off we... that early morning rise. <laughs> for you, now, let's do both at the same time. Nope. Get up at get up at five thirty and meditate for an hour, no. and then get on with your day. You, it was half an hour a minute ago. We, yeah, we need to but I'm a savage. I don't care. I'll go to town. Um, talking of savagery, um, I thought about maybe doing a ten minute exercise one every That's day. Um, and then another one. You get that app, can't you? Seven minute workout. You yeah. Just do that, add three minutes. Yeah, just do that and then do a little jog on the spot for three minutes. Um, that's so easy to do. It just takes a little bit of commitment. So that could be a good one. I also thought about doing one where you have to spend at least an hour outside. I like that one. 
I like that. I can just take my dog for a longer walk every day and I enjoy the dog walk. So. Yeah, get out and get out of the kind of, get out of this false light and mm. spend an hour outside in the fresh air, no matter how cold it is. But then I thought an interesting um, situation that might arise is that you've been inside all day or you've not been out for a total period of an hour yet. Um, and then you get home and you're like, oh, shite, it's nine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stand outside in my house for an entire hour before I can go back inside. <laughs> what are you doing, mate? I'm doing a stupid challenge. I've got to stand outside. I've got to stand outside. Can't be indoors. For the next 51 minutes before I can go inside. I quite like one where we we drink the recommended amount of water a day. Oh, I would drown. Yeah. That you just drink, you'd you'd go, not just the recommended amount, you'd go double the recommended amount. Yeah, I'd be like, okay, cool. Seven glasses of water a day. Let me do 14. See how I get on. I'll come back next month. I'll have gills. Gills, mate. (laughs) Evolution. (laughs) Then maybe you could live on Mars. Doubt it. But yeah, maybe. They don't have water on Mars, do they? Because yeah, otherwise yeah. they'd have life. I realise that as I said it, so that's the thing. Um, so, yeah, there's a load of different challenges in the works. If you've got an idea for a cool one, do please get in touch with us. Um, we're still throwing around some ideas for March. Um, but there are a load, of, a load of cool ones we want to tackle. So um, get at us with some ideas and we'll put them into practice. If it's something that you, you want to make a habit out of... Um, then let's do it together. Let's all get yeah, let's all get in each other's faces about it and be accountable. Um, I think yeah. I think we're done. I think we're done. Right. It's time for us to get back to the real world. But we'll see you next time on Manifest Simplicity. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave us a five star review. You can do that now on the Apple Podcast. Yes, app. you can. Apple Podcast. Yeah, because um, we finally got approved for it. And uh, Overcast, we're on Overcast. We're on That's Overcast, we're on Stitcher, we're on everywhere. Spotify. Everywhere good you can listen to a podcast, you can find a show. So if you want to read more things we've written, check out the blog at manifestsimplicity.com. And if you want to keep up with our daily lives, you can find us on Instagram at, at manifest.simplicity. Or on Twitter. Or on Twitter, yes. So I believe it's M-N-F-S-T Simplicity. That's the one. Correct. So what we'll do is we'll work on that because that is a mouthful. Yes, it is. Um, we'll find M-N-F-S-T Simplicity. I've yeah. got it down. Yeah, you have. I have not yet. No. I've been on social media for one day. Half a day. And I'm, Half I, a day. I don't know what I'm doing yet. Um, but you can track us down on Instagram and Twitter. We might also have a Facebook at some point. Some point, maybe. maybe. Um, but for now, it's time for us to go. So that's it. All done. Peace. Yeah. Um, we'll see you next time. Bye.